Welcome to the Mindwaves podcast, sharing positive news about mental health and well-being in Greater Glasgow and Clyde. In each short episode, we'll be bringing you insights, information and ideas from local people with something to say about mental health. Thank you so much for joining us for our fourth episode of the podcast. We've got a great feature for you on this episode. I was fortunate enough to go along to COPE Scotland, where I met with their chief executive, Hilda Campbell, and she had so many inspiring things to say about COPE's vision for a kinder society, both through policy and through our everyday interactions, and how we can prioritise mental health and care over people's emotions. I think after you hear the interview with Hilda, you're going to want to hear a bit more about the work that COPE do, And she mentions some of the services which they offer people in the west of Glasgow, but also about the whole range of resources on their website covering lots of aspects of self-care and mental health. So to find out more, you can go to www.cope-scotland.org. But for now, why not take a chance to relax for 20 minutes and enjoy some of the insights which Hilda has to share. Hi everyone, it's Marie from Mindwaves and I'm here with Hilda from COPE. She is the, the chief executive of the organisation, but I know, Hilda, that's not really a label that you, you like to put on yourself all the time. No, so, no, no. I, I think sometimes you, you have to have a label when you're going along to meetings and introducing yourself because then people know who it is you're talking to. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm Hilda um, and I, am, I care very much about the job that I do. And it's me that comes to work, not a title that comes to work. So I've been here now for 28 years. So this is like family. Can you tell us a wee bit more about what your what the work of COPE is on a day-to-day basis? There's a variety of levels. We offer direct support to people in the west of Glasgow. But our ambition was never to grow an empire. Our ambition was to grow an idea. So what we wanted to do was working with people find new ways where people suffer less because sometimes the distress that people have it doesn't have an immediate solution you know if there is an illness where someone can be treated with medication then that might mitigate some Mm -hmm. of the symptoms of that illness but if someone's mental ill health is a result of poverty inequality fear challenges of everyday life struggles there's not a tablet or a therapy that's going to make that better and even when someone has an illness that's treated by medication there are times when the illness becomes the person that's the label and all the other components of that person's life which is really who they are can be taken mm-hmm. over by the label that now someone has been given because of their health condition. So our values here are very much about people as unique, special individuals in their own right, who all have their own experiences of what's going on in their life. So a service that is offered, and person-centred again is another buzzword, but if you go back to holistic caring about an individual, if, if you take the time to hear what someone is saying. And it's one of the things in our feedback cards that consistently comes up is that people feel they were listened to, mm-hmm. sometimes for the first time. 
And sometimes that's all that people need. Sometimes people just need to know that someone else recognises they're hurting. You know, it's not that people are broken and they need someone to fix them. It's just sometimes people are hurting and they've got this pain inside them and they don't know how to manage that pain. So the work that we do is about how can we help people suffer less? How can we help people if they're maybe going through a distressing time and life is an emotional roller coaster? It's like a white knuckle ride. So how can you hold on to get to the other side where life might be smoother again, recognising that another roller coaster might come along. Um, so our, our value base is very much about caring, but recognising life can be challenging. But looking at what can we do that helps people suffer less and enjoy the moments that can be enjoyed. So even when life has been really challenging, if there's five minutes in there where you can have a laugh and a joke, then for five minutes have a laugh and a joke because that five minutes can then become 10, 15, 20 and before you know it, person start to feel better again. That doesn't mean to say that there's not issues that someone might require more formal therapeutic mm -hmm. relationship for. The work that we do here is very about us as human beings. What are our needs as human beings that help us thrive and survive? about looking after ourselves, being kind to ourselves, feeling emotionally secure, feeling financially secure. What challenges do people have and what can we do ourselves working with the person to provide the person tips and advice on things they can do to look after themselves and who else might need to get involved um, yeah, okay. to get the person to the other side. But everyone who comes here, the paperwork that we use here was co-designed with people. So we've probably never seen assessment forms like it because it's very practical. Yep. You know, like I'm not sleeping at night um, because for a lot of people, if they're not sleeping at night, their energy's drained. So whatever else is going on is going to be a, a, a far bigger issue. So if that's the first thing we need to look at, we need to look at persons not sleeping. If the person's maybe emotionally distressed through grief, um, through betrayal, someone they loved has let them down, then it's looking at how can you work through those emotions in a way where it's not tearing your whole life apart. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's very powerful, isn't it, the vision that you've got for people? It's very simple, but very powerful as well. It's helping, it's also helping people realise what skills and abilities they've still got. If you break your leg, you may be limited in your movement until that leg heals. If something happens in your mind or your heart, because we are emotional creatures as human beings, then it's more complicated than a broken leg because self-doubt starts to creep in. You know, a perception of, am I still me? I used to be able yeah. to do all these things. Can I still do these things? Um, who am I? Is everyone going to think differently of me now? And that's sometimes the reason why people don't come for help because it's until it's a point where they don't have a choice or, or they're even thinking about suicide um, because they've tried to keep going that long, put a face on it, pretend everything's okay, um, rather than accept that actually no, that I'm not in a good place just now and I need to speak to someone about it and that's okay. What we try and do here is just to create that space for people to realise that it's, it's all right to say, nah, things aren't going, <laughs> things aren't going to mm -hmm. plan because we're all human. And it's, it's really important that people know that and they know that they're going to be listened to um, and know that they're going to be supported because it's people's own life and people's own 
journey and it matters to us that when people come here and leave that they leave in a better place than when they arrived. Our ultimate goal would be that what we have learned, others want to adopt and adapt. So we don't want 50,000 copes. We don't want to grow an empire where there's a head office with a myriad of, of, of managers having copes all over Scotland. Mm -hmm. That's never been our plan. Our plan in some ways is actually that caring over people's emotions, which is our one-to-one -one work, isn't needed because what we offer is now the norm. Yeah, so it's like an approach. Yes. And you're building capacity. Yes. So it's Because it sounds like you're building people's individual capacity and helping them take control of the bits of their life they can take control of. But also, like, you do help other organisations as well. This is a Cope Scotland part. So caring over people's emotions is, if you like, the direct one-to-one. -one. Uh -huh. And that's where we learn so much about what influences Cope Scotland. Cope Scotland is our wider work. Um, and that's sharing learning nationally. That's sharing learning online. Um, that, if you like, is sharing them. And it's free. Well, while we've got the resources to do it, it's free. That's taking what we have learned and saying to anyone else that's interested, look, take this, adopt it and adapt it and use it for yourself. So we recently um, put a psychological safety training course online that over 2,000 people have looked at. So we're doing four different sections for that. Um, and we're really pleased. And it's not, oh, session one and two, you're getting free. Session three and four, you have to pay for it. It's like, no, it's there. Because once you do that piece of work, it's 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 out there in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think in a lot of ways for the third sector, that's what is the strength of our sector. The strength of our sector is innovation, creativity. Having that bold idea and deciding, let's go for it. Because you're small, you can move quickly, you can adapt. You've got far more contact with the communities who are going to be influenced mm -hmm. by the decisions that you make than if you're, if you're removed in a boardroom somewhere and there's five people between the public and you. Yes, I hold a position of responsibility in the organisation, but I have to look in the eye of the community we serve whenever I make a decision mm -hmm. and I have to ask myself, am I selling out? Or am I doing this for you? And am I still doing this for you? Um, and that, to me, is what keeps it real. Yeah, it's back to that authenticity and totally. integrity and all that stuff, all your Being respectful, because you have to care about people. I mean, my, my background, well, my background is social sciences. And then I went on to train as a, a mental health nurse. Um, and I was told when I studied social sciences... Um, we're going on to think we're going on to do psychology, clinical psychology, that I cared too much ever to be an effective clinical psychologist. Then in nursing, I was told that I would care too much ever to be an effective nurse manager. So caring has been a real stumbling block in my career. <laughs> um, when I came into this job, it was called the Drumchapel Mental Health Consumer Enablement Project, and people who used the service um, changed that to COPE, c.o.p.e. And when I asked what does that stand for, they said caring over people's emotions because it was the first time they felt they'd went somewhere that actually people really cared. Wow. So I think that's a hoot. And now it's Cope Scotland because we want to try and get the message out there. Not so that people think, oh, they're the berries. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about building a kinder world and we're all a piece of the jigsaw. 
So you uh-huh. being here today and doing the podcast and that you do, you're a piece of the jigsaw. What we do here is a piece of the jigsaw. What the Alliance do with the House of Care models, a piece of the jigsaw. What GPs are doing just now with the Community Links practitioners, a piece of the jigsaw. What DWP are trying to do with the new social security powers that are coming into Scotland is a piece of the jigsaw. But if those pieces of the jigsaw have values about we genuinely care, you know, it matters to us that people suffer less than, as I said recently in one of the kindness blogs that I did, if kindness was included in policy decisions, what changes may there have been in universal credit rollout? Yeah. So if you have a value-driven organisation, which we are, then yes, you've got all your policies and your procedures and your general data protection regulation and all the stuff that goes along with it. But if the values are hardwired to everyone that's involved in it, it's instinctive. The more complicated we make the system to find the answer, the harder it is to find the answer. The more simple we try to make the processes and the more people-led the processes are. I mean, we have between 80 to 120, 165 one month, uh, new people a month coming to us for support. We see people within 10 days of asking for an appointment. If someone phones that day and someone else is cancelled, we can often offer up an appointment the very same day. So despite all the cuts and the challenges that goes on with budgets, we see people really quickly. Why? Because we've asked people that use the service, what can we do to manage our waiting list to zero? When you when you talk about... Um the voices of lived experience, is that what COPE means? Is it about involving those people in the service oh, totally. production? Oh, you can't, you can't do it without. I mean, I find it really strange sometimes when you're asked about, has the community been consulted on this? And it's just in my head, it's like, how on earth could you put together a funding bid if you hadn't? You know, yeah. whose voice is it that you're listening to? Now, there may be research that someone else has done there might be some community consultation that someone's done that you're referencing. But to me, that again, you're slightly removed. By responding to real people's needs, your service evolves. Lots of people come as individuals, then there's themes and patterns. So then you think, right, okay, the emotional environment that people are seen in is really important. So then you start spending the time on the small details about, is there tea when people comes in? Are people immediately offered tea? Is there something relaxing music playing? Is the place clean? Does the person look about and think, I feel valued being here? That was actually one of the things that I was going to ask you about because as soon as you do walk into a Cope Scotland environment, it is very calming, very welcoming to people and the space as well. So it's obviously something you guys place a lot of value on. Oh, totally. Because a lot of the time things that have happened in people's life, they... Their self-confidence is in their boots. Their esteem's in their boots. They don't feel special. They don't, they feel that they're a bother. So a lot of the time people really just feel, I don't deserve this, I'm wasting your time. So we want from the minute that people come in the door for a very strong message to be sent out, you are valuable, you matter, your life matters, and in this place you'll be treated with respect. And that's what the whole environment... Yeah, that's one of the things I have actually seen that you put an emphasis on on social media is about encouraging people to think about the fact that they matter. It's about that kindfulness stuff that you talk about, from the every small interaction with someone matters. Because we're a small planet in a big universe to... to 
quote one of the phrases from one of our videos because even if you look at our website our website tries to create that calm yes relaxing does, yeah. welcoming space um that that you're come and browse and enjoy and and, and and be in a relaxing space because if people aren't in a good place and they finally pluck up the courage to ask for help and they're someone who all their life has been the person everybody else goes to the journey they need to go through to actually finally say, no, I need to speak to someone, is huge. To then be told, you don't meet the criteria, this is the, this is the, the waiting list that we've got, um, or to arrive and be sitting in a plastic seat with magazines yeah, that's out of date. Mm -hmm. If you're already not feeling good about yourself, and it's kind of, like, have a seat there, somebody will be with you in a minute. Whereas yeah. if you come in and it's like, would you like a cup of tea? Hello. Um, oh, we get your name mixed up. We thought you were podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually what happened. It, it's, uh, it was just the whole environment. Is it anybody coming in? Because I came here and I was quite stressed because I had got stuck in traffic. And within like 30 seconds, I just felt really kind of calm and understood. And I can imagine how powerful that is for people coming in here to use the service. Because back to what I said earlier on, it's like we're not people's family in the traditional sense of the word, but humans are family by the fact we're all human. And a lot of the pain and the suffering that we see in the world nowadays is because we forget what we've got in common, our basic yeah. humanity. And when you bring that humanity into services, it goes back to the value stuff, everything else falls into place. Yeah, it's about using that as a, a guiding light sort uh -huh. of thing rather than reacting to and everything. And not having it, it's like, oh, Karen's too fussy. It's like, no, it's not. We have got policies in Scotland now that mention respect, that mention fairness, that mention kindness. If you look at the 16 Sustainable Development Goals, there's values there. You know, so there is a shift happening. You know, like today's yeah. National Unicorn Day. Unicorn policies are supposed to be these beautiful things that um, are mythical and don't happen. Somebody once said co-production's a unicorn policy. Well, I don't think so. We've got 28 years' experience of showing co-production works. Um, and believing in unicorns means you believe in magic, which means you believe in people. And when people work together, as I frequently yeah. say on Twitter, that's what makes the magic happen. And things change. Uh -huh. Because you believe can it. Change. It's it's what are you locking into? If you lock into, we can work through this together. We can build a safer, kinder world for everyone together. Your feet will take you in that direction. If we work in silos of oh it's all grim, oh it's all mm -hmm. awful, all these terrible things are going to happen, then that's what we lock into. And there's enough of that in the world. So when you come in here, and it's not that we are unduly optimistic and that we look at the world through rose-coloured glasses. We're a third sector organisation that has survived some challenging times in terms of seeing more people and less funding. But where's the point focusing on that? Just focus on the principles. Hilda, thank you so much for speaking to us. I've got one more question because we've spoken a lot about COPE and the work that you and all the team do. But obviously, with the amount of work that you do, the pressures your service is under, we were talking about how you bring a lot of yourself into your professional role. What do you do for self-care? Have you got anything that's your go-to thing to get that work-life balance and to make yourself feel good? I would say my hubby, he is a very calming person. 
and we have two cats. Calming, yes, they can be, but most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, they want you to chase about. I I take pleasure in the simple things, like if you watch the Curie video uh, on our website, I have seen it. Yep, that, I've had a look at it. You probably recognise the voice from it as well. That really is how I live my life. I like getting out in the rain. I like getting wet. I like coming home, putting the kettle on, wrapping a snuggle, reading a Terry Pratchett book. I don't go away holidays. I used to. Um, and I found that actually, one, they were more stressful planning them. And two, <laughs> when you were coming home, you had this, oh no, I've got to go home. And that's awful to think, oh no, I've got to go home. So now when I do get time to get time off, it's more just enjoying the simple things, you know, going to local facilities that's in, in our community, playing with the cats, reading that book that I got that I've been meaning to get round to for ages, eating chocolate, yeah. eating chocolates in there too. <laughs> um, but no, genuinely simple things. And I love my job. Yeah, I can tell you love your job. I really just, <laughs> you know, it's so obvious and everything that you say that you just put everything, heart and soul into it and... It's a privilege, and I get paid for it, which is marvellous. <laughs> That's a bonus. <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you for coming along today. It's been really lovely speaking to it you. Has. Thank you, Hilda. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To make sure you don't miss future episodes of Mindwaves, why not subscribe to the show on whichever platform you get your podcasts, and maybe even leave us a review. There are lots of stories and features about mental health on our website www.mindwavesnews.com and you can also follow us on Twitter at Mindwaves1. We hope you join us next time.